whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey friends, Karen Pennington here, and there are three things I want you to know about me this morning. Number one, I love to talk. Big surprise, right? (laughs) Number two, I really, really like to be challenged. I, if I'm, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but really to me, that's part of an exciting thing. I I don't always like people, you know, talking bad to me, but having conversations that kind of make my brain think a little bit or reading a book, even that sits a little different with me and I have to think through it, all those kinds of things really help me because to me that sharpens me. Uh, I become more uh, secure in my own beliefs and in who I am when I have the ability to try to kind of test it and work it. And I like my body being challenged sometimes because it's just, to me, it feels stagnant otherwise. That's just part of my personality. And number three, I might need to unpack this one. I have this very deep-rooted belief that the Great Commission is based and founded most firmly in the Great Commandment. Now let me unpack that one. The Great Commission, for those of us who don't know it, is that... uh, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Uh, In Matthew 18, 21, the last chapter of Matthew, God says, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, um, make disciples of all creation, teaching them to obey all all that I've commanded you. Um, And he said to do it in all the earth. So I need to... There we go. Sorry, something came up on my screen. But so that's important. We call it the Great Commission. We we called it that. That's not what the Bible says, but it's it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with labeling it that. But sometimes we feel like if, like that's the biggest thing. We call it the Great Commission. So our very chief number one aim in life is to go make disciples of Jesus Christ and teach them about God. That's a big one. That's something we all should be doing as Christians. But that's not the greatest that's not the greatest command God Jesus has given us. Jesus himself echoed the words of Moses in, uh, in Deuteronomy 6.4. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And uh, the book of Luke adds, and all your strength. Um, same thing, just two words meant one in Greek. But anyways, so you're supposed to love God, but... On the heels of that, you're supposed to love others. So really, the great commandment is to love. And why am I saying all of this? Because you can't really share about Christ with others if you're not loving them first. That has to be the foundation. Because if you're just teaching them, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you're not really teaching them how to obey the commands of God because you've forgotten the most important one. So the reason I say all this is I purposely try to engage in lots of conversations and lots of relationships with people who do not believe the same things that I do, who do not believe about God, particularly people who have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Partly because I love to talk, 
partly personally because I love to be challenged. And I, I don't like fighting with people. I don't like being mean-spirited. But I like being able to sit down and have just really meaningful conversations. And I like having a chance to share with people about Jesus. But I, I have to do that. I can't. We don't. We're not in a buttonhole in society. We can't go up, pull somebody a Bible and say, "Listen." You need Jesus or else people don't respond to that because first of all, they have bullcrap meters and they're going to cry bullcrap. Why are you coming and telling me this stuff? You're not even loving me. I see nothing authentic in you. So don't you tell me about Jesus. Right. But also, um, yeah, people want relationships. You know, I don't know if that's an also. So all of that is a really crazy, weird introduction to let you know that um, through the Internet, through a couple of social media sites I've been introduced to, and I'm in conversations with people of different faiths, specifically a lot of Muslims. Um, and we've had some really good conversations. But my, um, a conversation I've had yesterday with somebody ongoing kind of head-to-head because um, one of the things he, he very respectful person, has, has been very, um, very kind, that sort of thing, very passionate about being Muslim. And most of what I say, most of what he reads that I say, he's like, well, yeah, that's me too. That's, yeah, I'm, I know that God's good. I believe in the Old Testament. I believe that God created everything. I do a lot of t- teaching and talking on the New Testament. I mean, on the, well, both, on the Old Testament. Well, and somebody who's a devout Muslim would believe in the Old Testament because they believe um, who they call Allah. They say, well, that's the God of Abraham. So they're like, we believe in the same God. We believe in one God. And even when I speak of Jesus Christ, Oh, yeah, we knew he was a good man. We knew he was a savior. We knew he was a prophet, just like Muhammad. And and they were just all, you know, Abraham, all these good people. They came. That's the root, right? And so he kept going. And, and then um, I think he might have said, we believe a lot of the same things. We believe the same things. So I went there with him. I said, what I said was, who do you believe that Jesus is God? And friends, that's the thing. That's the thing. We have so much in common with so many different religions. You know, that idea of a trinity, ancient Egypt had that. So theologically, if you're just talking jot and tittle, jot and tittle, there are ways that we have commonalities with other religions. Our hopes are the same. We want to live at peace. We want to have rewards. We want to, you know, please whoever we, whomever we call to be our God. Uh, there's a morality in most religions. You know, there's so much stuff that's underlying the same. And we really do. At the core, we all want the same things. But this is the difference. This is the difference. And it unleashed a lot of, you know, he wasn't mean, but he got very very passionate about, oh, you guys don't understand. Jesus can't be God. You, 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 you know, there can only be one God. The Trinity doesn't make sense. You know, and just all this stuff. And that's And that really is the difference. It is... The thing that causes war sometimes because people very strongly believe who don't understand who Jesus is that it's polygamy that not polygamy polytheism that we're we're honoring more than one God that we're deifying and we're bowing down to somebody who is human somebody who is born who is human can't be God right whether or not you believe it that's what's in the Bible so that's what's true to me I want to go through a passage um, the book of John was actually kind of brilliant. Because, you know, Genesis 1-1, first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the entire Bible, starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it talks about creation. 
Now, that word God in Hebrew is Elohim. And, and this is a good reason to believe that Jesus is God. This is a good reason to believe in the Trinity. Because through that entire passage, through one and two, first three chapters of Genesis, when it was talking about God, 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 that word Elohim is plural. So they were referring to God as one being and yet plural. And if you read even in English, God didn't say, let me make man in my own image. Let me make humans in my own image. Let me make people in my own image, whatever your translation is. God said, let us make people in our own image. So us, like one being, one unified action, but plural and us. So as hard as that is to understand, who's the other people with us? Well, so John answers the question. John, who writes to believers, refers to this, the first verse, first chapter of the book of John. In the beginning, Jesus was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, you know that Elohim, us, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. So he just said it three different ways. If you didn't get it, this Word was with God in the beginning. In the beginning, God, only God, but the word was with God. So this word thing, whoever this word happens to be, has to be God, right? Everything came into being through the word. Remember, God was the one who brought things to being, so the word must have been God, you know? And without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life. And the life was a light for all people. So... Three and a half verses now, John has just identified that this word person must be God. And why did God have to come to earth? Because without him, we couldn't have done it on our own. You know, one of the great things that the Old Testament, the Old Testament has wonderful stories, and there is grace all over it. But one of the first things and foremost things that the Old Testament establishes is that we are left to our own devices to save ourselves no matter how much we try we will screw it up every time even in the garden who knows how long adam and eve lasted in the garden before they sinned? could have been a could have been a thousand years at that point could have been 10 years could have been four minutes all we know is that if nothing else that story of adam and eve and the forbidden fruit means sooner or later we when left to our own devices will mess things up So verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. Skip down to 9. The true light that shines on all people was coming in the world. The light was in the world and the world came into being through the light, but the world did not recognize the light. Sounds like Jesus to me, right? Jesus, the light of the world. God, who was with God in the beginning, who is the source of all life. And who, when we caused our own death, came back to give us life back, real, new life, rebirth. Just as a side note, the book of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, there are, if I can remember right, there are five words that appear over and over again. Jesus, light, love, life, and there's a fifth one. We'll just start those four. Jesus, light, love, and life just comes over and over and over again. But those who did welcome them, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become children of God. That's a big deal. 
Because only the children of Abraham were the children of God at that point. But anybody can be a child of God now. Born not from blood, nor from human's desire or passion, but born from God. And here we go. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We've seen his glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. There it is, guys and gals. John 1.14. The difference about what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, over and above any other commonalities that any other religions have with us or with each other, is this. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. There are other stories, never any witnesses, other stories about people supposedly who were gods who came down to be among people. We have no verifiable witnesses of anything other than this was made up in people's minds. The one true God came down to be with us, lived like one of us, suffered beyond what almost anybody of us could imagine, died, and then beat death. So at the same time, we serve someone who is powerful, above all, creator of everything. We have that power, we have that immensity, and we also have that immediateness of someone knows exactly what we're going through. Because that, not just because God knows everything, because God is the mind of all things, but because God experienced it. God chose to experience it. For those who think of Jesus as a good man, or maybe even a rebel that wasn't a good man, for those who just think of Jesus as a prophet, it doesn't make sense why we need to bow down to a human being. Don't we have a God already? You know, it seems like polytheism. It seems like pie in the sky. But like 1 Corinthians 1 says, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who believe, it is the wisdom and the power of God. It's the experience of God. Let's let that sit for a second. What is our hope really in? Our hope of getting to heaven. Do we really think he can do it on our own? Where in the Old Testament does it point to the fact that we can do it on our own? As far as I know, it points to a Redeemer. And I guess if we think we could do it on our own, then we wouldn't really need to believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus is sinless. But we know we can't. And personally, not because I'm dumb, but because I recognize and understand and have met the wisdom and power of God, I can't imagine life without it. Now that my hope is in something beyond what humanity can do, now that my hope is beyond is in a God that is more than just somebody who sits in heaven and requires things of me that eventually I'll fail at, I can't imagine life any other way. Can you? Lord Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are God. You died for us. You lived through some stuff I can't even imagine. And then you died for us. And then rose again and beat death. 
This is what our hope is dependent on, Lord. Lord, help us to love others. Lord, help us to respect others. Lord, help us not to just push your way on them, but Lord, we want them to encounter you. We want to encounter you, God. Help us to encounter you, Lord. We know sometimes something that makes so much sense once we've experienced it, it's just foreign to us until we have that experience with the truth, Lord. May we experience you, the one truth today, and may we be a light so that others can experience and know you. God, I'm tired of people falling away from you in this nation. I'm tired of every logic that's illogical getting the forefront. I'm tired of politicians that try to quote-unquote evangelize, but really they just want us to agree with them so they can get elected. And they want us to just, this weird universalism kind of thing that says just agree with everything. Obviously, not all things can be true. Two plus two can't be at the same time, four and eight. Help us to do our spiritual math. Help us to find you and seek you and just come and empower us and live in us. Open the eyes and remove the veil. Lord Jesus, it's time for you to be glorified. In your name, amen. Be blessed today, my friends. May you experience God's light and truth and the power of Jesus, your living Savior and Lord and God in new and fresh ways. And may you be a witness to others.